We really should stop this fighting. Otherwise, we'll miss the fireworks. There won't be any fireworks. And here we go. And welcome, everybody, to Suck It. I am the great and powerful King of Kings, Prince of All that is awesome, Derek. How the fuck is everybody today on this Thursday, November 5th of the horrible year that is 2020? Um, yeah, it just keeps getting worse and worse by the fucking day. Um, I just hope, you know, things, things, things somewhat get better. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Is there something there? You know, is there somebody there waving a white flag or something? Because I'm just, I'm just, I'm sick of the shit. But I'm not here to talk about the doom and gloom of the world today. I'm not here to talk about whether or not, you know, who, who our new president or you know, current president one or whatever the case might be. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to do what I've been doing all week, and that's talking about music. You know, whether it was um, Tuesday talking to Kulik, whether it was yesterday talking to Emily Lazar of September Morning, or whether it's today talking to a band out of New Jersey. Um, a lot of cool stuff going on with these guys, and I'm really, really stoked to talk to them. So let's just go ahead and get this thing rolling because that's what we do best here is talk music, um, talk movies, talk everything in between. But today, it's all about the music. So without any further ado, please welcome from New York sewer pit of New Jersey, the boys in Boy Blue. <laughs> What's going on, guys? <laughs> What's up, Kevin? Thanks for having us, man. Hey, no problem, brothers. How are you guys doing? You know, it, it's kind of um, sad that you said you can't complain when we have every fucking reason to complain. <laughs> You're not wrong, bro. You're not wrong. But you know, we're we're just we're doing our own thing. You know, we sometimes we just turn away from the stuff on the news. You know, I'm just staying away from Twitter for right now. I don't even be going on Twitter, man. I can't. T Twitter's the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean that that place is a cesspool. I mean, it's just. You can't get your, you can't even like get actual facts from the fucking president because they're, you're, you know, they're blocking everything he says too because it's not factual. We don't even know what the hell, we don't know our ass from the hole in the ground at this point. It's just, it's just like a, a bad movie right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, how, how are things going for you guys musically? I mean, it's been a weird year, obviously, you know, can't tour, can't. Can't even go play a local club, um, and it's just one of those things that just sucks across the board. So, how are things going as far as you guys go? Dude, it's so weird, but I'd like to think we're actually making the best of it. Basically, you know, we can't do shows, but we were a a fortunate enough to get in the studio. Um, it was a little different this time. You know, there was some a lot of safety precautions. Um, we're, we're doing music videos, so we're taking time to do behind-the-scenes stuff and work on, uh, do everything through social media, basically, man. And, uh, and as far as the writing goes, we were set to go to the studio back in April, right before shit hit the fan in the world. And during the quarantine, it gave us time to really work on more songs and come out with better songs. So by the time we were able to go in 
and record the new stuff, we had even better songs than we had planned originally. So in that effect, it kind of worked out for us. Yeah, I mean, it's worked out a way, you know, in that way for a lot of different bands. You know, um, a lot of, you know, bands, you know, musicians, whatever, you know, have stuff in the can, you know, have been really kind of focusing on their craft this year. Um, you know, some of them are holding off until, you know, they can start touring again and release it. But a lot of them have been just out there, you know, just creating some of the best music they've ever done. Yeah. Um, how do you feel, you know, about the whole creative process during this whole, you know, this whole ridiculousness? You want to take that? Yeah, well, I think, like you brought up, the fact that every band, big or small, is kind of in the same boat right now. No one could really tour and play shows, so... It's almost like the playing field has been evened out a bit. So really during this whole process, this whole time period, it's been all about the content. So we've really been able to be more creative and put more thought and effort into the creative side of things, whether it's the music or the videos, and really just be as creative as possible with it. I think it's been working out for us. Yeah, because, you know, I've talked to, you know, like like I said in the intro, I talked uh, yesterday to... um... Emily Lazar of um, September Morning, and they're a theatrical band. I mean, they're very theatrical. I mean, they write comic books along with their music. I mean, kind of like Coheed, but at the same time, they act out the parts on stage, and it's very, very theatrical. And they have their album ready to go, but they're not ready to release it until next year when they can start touring again, possibly next year. Um, same thing with Avenged Sevenfold. You know, they came out a couple weeks back and saying, hey, the album's ready to go, but we're not releasing shit until we can tour because we need that tour to do it. So, you know, with bigger bands like those, you know, it 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 feels, you know, good. Because like you said, now it's a level playing field because they're not even putting out the new music. They're waiting. But at the same time, all these up-and-coming bands, these newer bands, are like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to take a... I'm going to push everything out right now. I'm going to do everything I possibly can and get it out in front of the fans. You know, in a year or two, when those albums come out, you know, if tours even start happening in the next year, you know, I guess we'll find out you know, over the course of the next few months, what's going to happen. Cause I mean, right now the only thing that's, you know, been announced for next year is aftershock. Yeah. Um, so who knows what's going to happen, but you know, the, uh, the whole idea of it as, you know, being an up and coming band and, you know, pushing it out now, I think is fucking genius to be honest. Yeah. I, you know, I can't, I can't speak for every band, but as far as we go, I definitely, while there's no distractions, there's less distractions where, we're releasing our best stuff right now while we can, you know. It's kind of like there's more eyes on us saying all the other up-and-coming bands releasing our, our music now. So that's kind of how we're going about it. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, when you release an album on a Friday or, you know, release a single on a Tuesday or whatever the case might be, you're not up against, you know, Five Finger. You're not up against Papa Roach. You're not up against I Prevail right now. You're up against, you know... Billy Bob up the street or, you know, you know, or the other, you know, uh, you know, the other artists from your own PR company. But at the same time, y'all are all, you know, doing the exact same thing. So it works out. It benefits y'all. So it works. You know, it's it's again, it's it's it, it's leveling the player playing field, but it's also raising the bar as far as that kind of stuff goes, too, because. You guys are the only thing putting out new music. Um, and when I say you guys, I mean, you know, the indie artists and the lower, you know, the lower, yeah, the lower bands, but yeah. no one's, you know, when you're at the level you guys are at, no one's a lower band, so I just want to say that right now. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it, I, I'm I'm digging all the new stuff that's coming out because, it's, again, it's different, and it's not, 
you know, being shoved down our throats by record labels. It's just, it's organic and it's natural. I like that. Good point, man. Good yeah. point. And, uh, and a, good, a good point our producer, John Ferreira, has told us right now, the way the music industry is right now, because there's no touring, no shows, like you said, the bars being raised, people have to start putting more effort into the actual content, the songs, you know, because that's, that's really all the banks have to go off of right now, the content itself. So I think, you know, the bars being raised, you got to put in more effort if you want to stand out. So, and again, that's kind of being a big factor in what's driving us right now. Yeah, because I mean, not only the musically does it need to be good, but if you guys are going to put out a, a music video attached to it, it oh, needs yeah. to be spot on redonkulousness. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be like, oh, you know, just somebody else is just doing something just to do something. Oh, yeah, true. You even know about that. You, you wouldn't know about that? <laughs> about how hard it is and important it is going all out with the videos. Yeah, yeah. This guy, Chris right here, plays a huge part in the playing of our, of our videos. He kills it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting ready to uh, shoot a video for a local band here um, in the next coming weeks. And it's like, there's so many thoughts in my head. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's like, you know, what can we do to make sure this thing pops? It's got, it's got to. Because otherwise it's like... Nice. You know, it, it, it otherwise just it. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. What's right. the band? Um, I can't remember the name of the band. I just got messaged by him the other day. It's in a band out of Maryland. Okay, gotcha. Cool, man. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely more pressure. <laughs> if feeling they need to go above and beyond, but I think it makes it more fun and interesting, yo. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Interesting challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially you know. You've because that music, you know, musically, it's got to be the best stuff you've ever put out this year. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it it truly, truly does. And you know, there's been bands that you know are still riding the success off of an album they put out two years ago this year, um, but are doing something different with it or whatever the case might be. You know, um, I, I talk a lot of, I talk a lot about them on this show because there's one of my favorite bands currently, and I think I love what they do. One of my favorite bands right now is Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. And last week, last Thursday, they did a stream of a show that they did last year in Worcester. Um, and um, But they added, you know, this elements of, you know, a slasher movie in with the different songs. And it was interactive. It was this whole, you know, really cool thing. So they, it was a stream of something they already did, which I, I kind of liked because they didn't, like, you know, make it, you know, overproduce something in a studio. They just kind of did it, you know, whatever. But, you know... I, I dig what that what they're doing with that, and they're keeping it fresh, and they're you know staying in the eyes of you know. But then at the same time, you've got bands like Trivium, who rented out a freaking you know studio at Full Sail in Orlando and put together a huge freaking production to air you know on Live.org, which is a, again a cool thing. But then at the same time, you know I watched it; it was fantastic. But at the same time, it wasn't a, your typical Trivium show. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a couple of bands, our friends uh, in uh, Green Knuckle Material, they're also from here in Jersey. They've been doing live streams a lot at studios, and I think that's a great move for them. I'd actually like to do that at some point. Definitely. Uh, yeah, see, back in July and August, I did a, um, a series of live streams for local bands and a couple uh, national acts as well um, to where... 
you know, I just gave him a platform to, you know, come on a show. At the time, I was getting like 20,000 downloads at an episode. But, you know, these guys, you know, weren't, you know, whatever. Um, you know, and they were just, you know, they're ecstatic to be playing. I mean, there was one band called, uh, by the name of Eben Nova that, you know, have a, um, a barn out back that they do all the recording in, and they just set up a huge, you know, you know, sound, you know, area and put production up and did this really badass stream instead of a, a barn. Um, you know, and it was just really cool. And I, I, th- I think I ended up doing like 20 some odd bands, um, over the summer, just, you know, again, giving them a stream, you know, and giving them a platform. And it was just, it was awesome, but it only made me miss music, live music even more. I hear you, man. Yeah. It's not, it's great, but you know, it's great for now, but it's, it's just not the same as a, being at the show and then taking it in and yeah i hear you yeah but it's better than nothing yeah it's weird even even the big banks like you say you know they can't tour play live shows so even they have to kind of bring the bring the wheel here you know and put on these crazy live streams and stuff you know yeah and the live streams aren't cheap either um or at least the you know the well-produced ones aren't cheap right and you know so they, but at the same time, they can't turn around and charge them, a, you know, an arm and a leg for something, um, because it's not going to be worth it just to sit there and watch it on TV or watch it on your phone. Um, you know, more power to Corey Taylor who did it uh, last month at the forum, but he was charging. It? I did. Nice, dude. I, w- I wish I got to see it, man. But uh, I was, we were just so busy at the time. But at the same time, it was twenty five bucks a ticket, and I was like, yeah. you know, that was, I was like, I get it. You know, but twenty five bucks to sit there and watch a concert on my TV it was it was cool. Don't get me wrong, I love Corey and it was fantastic. But at the same time, it was like it was twenty five bucks, and I'm never get to yeah I didn't get to experience it. You know, I would have rather spent you know like I, last year when I spent my sixty five bucks to go see Slipknot, you know, with Volbeat last year versus twenty five bucks. You know, but at the same time, it's like you know it, it's it's just not the same. But I still enjoyed it, and I would. I, I don't know if I would do it again for that much money, but like Trivium was only eight bucks when they did theirs. So it's like, you know, it's just, you know, um, I don't know. It was, it, it was great, but it, it, again, it only made me miss live music even more. Yeah, dude. I know Corey got actually some backlash from a lot of Slipknot fans for going, doing that live and charging and for uh, doing his solo stuff. Dude, like I, I, I really like his new solo stuff, but did you see, uh, what is it, uh, CMFT Must Be Stopped? The video? Yeah. Thing is badass. I fucking love that video. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But someone actually put in the comments, do you remember the song uh, All Out Life, the song? Yeah. So someone quoted the rant in the song, I will not worship empty shells. I will not listen to worthless noises. I was like, dang, like, like Slipknot fans are really giving this guy a hard time, you know? He's trying to. Yeah, I think. I think it's nice he's taking this opportunity to do his own thing while he can, while he's also in the quarantine. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but I thought that was crazy. Yeah, what I don't get about you know, Slipknot fans, not Corey Taylor fans, not you know metal fans. I'm talking about just Slipknot fans. Is you know. They don't like Stone Sour, and Stone Sour fans don't like Slipknot. You know, and there's obviously a bunch of that crossover. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. the hardcore Slipknot fans do not like Stone Sour, and vice versa. And it's like, and then the, those same ones 
aren't the ones going to, you know, his uh, spoken word tours or his acoustic tours, whatever else the case might be, you know, and it's like, I, I, I don't, it's the same dude. He's just right. doing things a little bit differently. Fucking right. appreciate it, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that I talked to um, Emily about yesterday was how fickle the fans in the, our genre are. Whether it's metal, whether it's, you know, ska, whether it's, you know, punk rock or pop punk or whatever the case might be. True. You know, everyone in the rock, the, the million different genres of rock that we have, um, we're all so fucking picky. And we're all, we don't, we, you know, we like the bands that we like and anything else in between we don't fucking support. You know, we'll buy, spend $75 to go to Rock on the Range or what used to be Rock on the Range, now it's Song of Temple, but, you know, for a four-day event and we'll sleep through the first half of the concert just because we want to see Five Finger at the end of the show, but we don't care about nothing more that was there or Hailstorm that was there or, you know, these little guys, you know, that are out there trying to do the same things, but, you know, the, or like Coachella, back in 2016 when Volbeat was there, you know, um, the stage, the crowd was fucking empty for fucking Volbeat, you know, but as soon as Volbeat left the stage and the next EDM guy comes up on stage, everyone's fucking there. It's like, what the hell? You know, it was, it's, you know, it's, it, it just pisses me off because again, you know, bands like, you know, you guys and everybody else like that, you know, you know, if you guys went on tour with, hypothetically speaking, you know, Papa Roach tomorrow, okay, and there was two other bands along with you, you're going to get there, people are going to spend their 45, 50 bucks for these tickets, and then it's only going to be at 15 or 20% capacity when you guys play, and then it's going to go to 40%, and then it's going to be at 50%, and then it'll, it might stay good 100% when Papa Roach plays, but at the same time, the people that were there for the other bands, like, oh, fuck Papa Roach, I don't even want to stay. They might just leave. <laughs> and then, you know, people might just show up just for Papa It's so ridiculous. Like, last year I was, I went to see, um, it was New Year's Day, um, Ice Nine Kills and Falling in Reverse, and there was one other band with them. I can't remember who it was. Um, but, you know, New Year's Day, nobody was there. And then, you know, the next band was a little bit more. Then it packed out for Ice Nine, but then when Falling in Reverse came on, everybody, you know, like 30% of the crowd left and there was less people for Falling than there was for Ice Nine. And I was just like, and it's like, you know, Ronnie Radke's an asshole. Don't get me wrong. But he, he's still a pretty damn good musician. Just hang out for a bit at least. Yeah. It, it's like I said, the, the, the metal rock community is so fickle here in America, at least. Yeah. However, if you jump the pond and go to download or rock am ring in Germany, people are awake 24-7 with a beer in their hand or whatever the case might be, and they're trying as hard as they can to stay awake throughout the entire fucking show because they just don't care. Right. And it sucks because, you know, it, you guys deserve more credit than that. Yeah, yeah. I really don't know what to make of it, dude. But you remind me, I saw Sum 41. It was my last big concert before the quarantine. and um. After they were done, you weren't there, right? No. Farrow was with me and my sister. After they were done, about like five minutes go by and people are starting to clear out. And I don't remember who it was. I don't know who it was. But this dude comes out on a piano and they light up the stage again. And he's like, oh, playing the piano. And they're like playing this. It's like this yeah. big, like almost like 
theatrical metal like act i don't remember i don't know who it was dude but it was crazy but people were leaving and i was like okay yeah some 41 is better but this is the best show that we've seen at this show tonight like this is the yeah. most entertaining i don't know who this dude is. Better show. yeah like this is just a, a spectacle right now a it's dude like, on a piano yeah he was that well that was more theatrical yeah, yeah, I re, I really, it's, and I'm like knocking the crowd, but I don't even remember who it was. But um, it, it was, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who that would be. All I'm saying, like Derek, the thing is, like, if we were in a position that I'm thinking out loud here, if we were in a position where we were opening for one of those bigger bands where the crowd would, most of them would be there just for them. Yeah, we got to do some stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like. You know, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, I remember back in 2014, I believe it was, um, down in Tampa, they have a rock station called 98 Rock, and they put on a concert every year um, called 98 Rock Fest. And this was Nothing More's first big, you know, year on the tour circuit. Okay. And they were, like, second or third um, on the bill. Um, they had there was two stages. There was the inside, you know, which had the you know, Avenged Sevenfold was in there, Volbeat was in there, yada yada yada, and then outside, you know, and um, the outside stage was headlined by Trivium. Um, it was like twenty some bands, and you know, they were like two or third, two or um, two or three on the fucking card. Okay. And you know, if you've ever seen nothing more before, you know that they go go balls out with this weird, you know, shit that they do. You know, Johnny plays, you know an extra set of drums during, you know, certain songs. And he comes out, and they, they play the song Christ Copyright first. And I've only heard at that point, you know, this is the time. You know, everyone at that point only knew this is the time. Mm -hmm. And he comes out, he starts just going ape shit on those fucking drums, and just, and he's, you know, like he does without a shirt on, no shoes on, and he's jumping up on top of these drums and going crazy and doing this and doing that. And then later on in the show... That same drum rig that he uses, you know, attaches the bass guitar and he starts playing the bass guitar with drumsticks and just, it, it, and I remember and at that point in time, I just remember that. Yeah. Ask me who else was on stage during that. I, I remember, obviously it was, you know, there was a 10 other, 12 other bands that day, but I remember three from that, the outside stage. It yeah. was nothing more, Fozzy, because of Chris Jericho, I mean, everyone loves Chris Jericho, and then Trivium headlined it. But ask me about any other band from that day. I can't remember. Um, and that's what stood out. And you're 100% right. Doing that theatrical element. Now, you don't need to go, like, all out, you know, Rob Zombie theatrical or, you know, Ice Nine theatrical. But having that one element that makes people go, holy shit, what the hell was that? Yeah. Make, yeah. Even a band like, like, for me, Queen is one of my favorite bands. The, I mean, like... Just, just the performance was pretty theatrical. You know, they didn't need like props and all kinds of stuff. It was just a crazy good performance, and just I don't, you know what I mean. You have to look at at the dude on stage. So it's, it's stuff like that. Like it's well, see what you're talking about. What I, is what I've preached forever on this show is that there's a difference between being a musician, being an yeah. artist, and being a frontman. Yeah, yeah. So you know. You can be a good musician and go out on stage and have a you know really great show, but then you know if you've got a front man with a bunch of artists behind them, 
that's when it really stands out. You know, and that's what Queen was. They, I mean, he was the greatest frontman of all time. I mean, I've watched, you know, freaking, you know, um, whatever that was back in the 80s, 105 times on YouTube, you know, and it just stands out. And then, you know, for the younger generation who saw Bohemian Rhapsody a couple of years back, you know, they got to relive that experience a little bit um, with it because, holy shit, he just did a great job with it. But, you know, it, it, there's just a certain element that, you know, certain bands bring to the stage, you know, like a Rob Zombie, who is very theatrical. But at the same time, you take away the theatrics and just watch him. He's a true front man. You know, same, same thing with... Um, Aerosmith and Steven Tyler. Dude, he he died 10 years ago, but you know, they put him up on puppet strings and he still does the exact same stuff that he did then. Um, you know, him and Mick Jagger both are dead. I don't know if anyone realizes that, but you know, they're just puppets at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't don't everyone say, "Oh, no, they're not dead." I'm kidding. Um, but you know, and that's what it <laughs> that's what it takes. You know, it, it takes that true frontman status. Now, because, like, you know, look at a band like Breaking Benjamin. Fantastic. But Ben is just a really, really good musician. You know, frontman, he's decent at it. But he's not on the level of, like, a, you know, the ones I just mentioned. Um, it's fun to go watch, you know, that. But, like, I noticed a huge difference last year or two years ago. Two years ago? Two years ago when I saw them with Five Finger, you know, Ivan Moody is a real front man. And then to watch, you know, Ben go up on stage, it was like, okay, you know, I, you know, it was, it was different, you know. Sure. So when you guys all go up on stage, what are you guys trying to convey? Ah, oh, dude. Uh, it's, it's so weird because we, we do put a lot of thought and conversation into that, but at the same time, uh, at the same time, we just really enjoy going up there and doing it and having a great time. So I just want the audience to have a great time. I want to have a great time. You know, I want to have a good performance. Um, I want to get the crowd interactive. I don't want them to just stand and watch ever. I think that I think we've had like, like we've definitely had, we yeah. definitely had conversations about what crazy stuff we can do. So sometimes it's hard to pull off or we you know yeah or we think too big for the at least the some of the smaller shows we've played in the past yeah know? when we're at a show like i love all the bands we play with you know like i love yeah. green knuckle material oh boy i love i like 90 percent of the bands like that we get to play with i think are really good but um at the same time dude when we go up there i'm trying to make sure that we bring the best show out of the lineup that day I'm that, that's... You know, this conversation reminds me, remember that that one show where for some reason we were put on the same bill with like a bunch of metal bands at Crossroads, I think it was, and we were the only pop punk bands. a long ass time ago. It was still Boy Blue, actually, I think. It might have been still, but anyway, it was, we were the only pop punk band. Every other band on the bill was metal, and the all the people in the crowd just stared at us and like didn't even move a muscle during our whole set. <laughs> like not even a, a like you know a courtesy clap or anything. Like they just stared at us, and it was so awkward. Like what year was that? It was a few years back. It wasn't that long ago. I I can't remember what year. I may it was. have blocked that out completely. I mean, I wouldn't bro. blame you. <laughs> it was, it, but it was just awkward, like you said, how nitpicky 
rock fans can be of any genre, you know. But yeah, we were in a metal band, but you know, it's like they just stared at us, like not even, not even a boo. Or I was taking some boos. <laughs> you but, said not but, even a boo. Yeah, I was. They, you know, it was just they were silent, you know. That's so. that's an ultimate failure when you don't piss them off. Yeah, and you don't. Yeah, get them. That's right even to... worse. <laughs> but yeah, man, that I I don't even remember that, but I'm sure that that did happen at yeah. some point. Hold on, wait, Derek, I can't hear you. Oh, that was my bad. That was my bad. Um, I sometimes just mute myself and don't and forget to take it off. But um, well, it always goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, um, yeah. you know, the pickiness of the fans. You know, I remember a while back, too, um, it was another concert, that I, another festival that I went to, and, um, and the, the band in this moment was headlining the second stage. And the band that was on before them was a band, um, like a ska punk, you know, pop band called the Supervillains. And the Supervillains were on right before, you know, in this moment. And the crowd completely changed. (laughs) You know, I stay there for both because I enjoy both because I just think, you know, the Supervillains are fucking badass. Um, Just a different type of sound. But it was was just weird. You know, the, the crowd just completely left. As soon as they left the stage... They just left. I just kind of chilled for a second, and then next thing I know, this this overwhelming rush of these these crazed Maria Brink fans just came out of the woodwork from the main stage just to come watch it, and then that was it. I was like, "Where are you guys at?" Ten minutes ago, when you know supervillains were here, there was they just put on a great fucking show. Yeah. I mean, they did a cover of Billy Joel like they always fucking do. I mean, that's a great fucking thing, and yeah, it just it sucks because again. Those types of bands don't get the credit that they deserve, just like you guys just mentioned that, and it's just, it, it's not cool. Fucking metal guys, rock guys, fucking enjoy the music. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, man. I, so we we try not to uh, book on metal. We try to make sure we know who's gonna who we're playing with. Yeah, but like, unfortunately, we you have to like, you have to go about that just because you want a good show, like. We play mixed genre shows, and we're we're more open minded, I guess. We usually find something to appreciate with all the bands that are playing. Hell yeah! Unfortunately, not everyone's like that, though. Yeah. So, so um, you guys, um, just put out the new album, or it's just getting ready to come out. Well, we just put out a single. Single. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So, how's that going for you right now? It's it's cool, man. Um. So it was a Halloween release, and it's kind like it's a low-key Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. So the the peak of it, I guess, is up at this point. But it, it was so cool, man. It was it was it was very. I'm very happy that we got to put it out. Everything, our ducks were all lined up in a row for this one. You know, oftentimes we run into problems on a release. You know, unexpected, whatever. But it worked out, man. Yeah, I, I think I think it's been our best response so far to a song. So. We're really happy about that. So, again, I I hate to go back to this exact same question, but, you know, how are you guys supporting it without the touring? And you guys just said you're not doing virtual or, you know, live virtual shows yet. So what exactly are you doing, you know, on that end to punch people in the face and say, hey, we're here? Yeah, so... We, um, we had Jared Reddick on this one for Bowling for Soup, so we kind of played it up. We had some fun with our followers and did, like, a, a reveal on that. Um, you know, we put out trailers, 
And we're also like, we're, we're big on, um, we do like a lot of our own advertising. So I, I want to make sure that fans of certain bands are aware that we're here, you know, in America, UK, Brazil, wherever. So we do a lot of that on, on uh, social media too. But yeah, man, we, we want to be transparent. Um, and up until this, you know, all through the quarantine, we were posting different stuff. We did do one live stream, but it was just acoustic, wasn't a full band show. So uh, a lot of it, we're sort of playing by ear, whatever we want to do. We're going to figure out a way to do it. And then a lot of it, we really do plan out and, uh, and map out. But as far as photo shoots, music videos, we've always done a lot of that stuff ourselves anyway. So we just go and do it. And we just, we just go and put it out. So let's talk about the history here for a second. Um, where did, you know, how exactly did everything come about? to get to the, the point of Boy Blue, because I know there was a band before that. So what exactly was the, the history to get to where you're at today? Yeah, man. He and I, Steve and I, have been playing music for... Since, uh, since 2009. Yeah, so like about 11 years. We were like 14 years old when we first started. Yeah. Really young. Yeah. We, were, we grew up playing Bowling for Soup songs and Blink songs. And... Uh, but we, we knew also we can't just do covers. We gotta like write our own music. So we did yeah. that right from the start too. Yeah. And um, we did that all through high school, man. After high school, we had a period that was super weird. We put out an album and it kind of just flopped because we weren't playing shows at our school anymore. You know what I mean? We were like supposed to be big boys now and we didn't get that. And also we didn't get social media at the time. We yeah. Had, so. We had a band member who left and he did get it. He was the one yeah. spearheading all of that at that time. But we didn't get, we thought that was corny at the time. Yeah, even but, six years ago, social media was like way different. Yeah, yeah. But now you have to, like there's no oh, way around it. So yeah. we're, we're all in on, on social media, especially during the quarantine when you literally can't do any event. Yeah, that so, goes back to just the raising the bar of the content yeah know? yeah but man we've taken we we've, we've always enjoyed it and we've always taken it serious since high school we've always uh we've been hitting the studios since 2011 was our first time or 2012 was our first time so yeah and it also helped that my older brother joe and during the old bang he wasn't a member at the time when we were first starting out he was he was the one person who wasn't afraid to tell us that we sucked and to get better yeah dude, <laughs> you know? I mean, if it wasn't for him at that time yeah like like saying no try this don't do that try, yeah. you know like i think we would have been i think that's the only reason we were a little better than the other bands in our high school yeah i think a lot of problem a big problem that a lot of really young bands that first start out if they're like teenagers in high school is that they're they're surrounded by a lot of close friends or family members who just tell them what they want to hear and you know don't want to hurt their feelings but yeah, my older brother didn't hold back at the time. He would tell us what we were doing wrong, and it helped us get better and improve ourselves. And now he's a member of of Boy Blue, so came kind of came full circle. Um, you know that story is a lot like everybody else's story too. You know, yeah. you know they start in high school, and it's one you know concept, and then things change once they leave high school and it's just not the same anymore. And then you got to find that completely new niche. Um, but at the same time, you know, that same niche was there the whole entire time. It's just, you know, how to redirect it. Um, 
So, you know, what do you credit, you know, who do you credit now for the success you've gotten to this point? Uh, John Ferrara from Trophy Scars. He's our producer. He's been our producer for about two two or three years. Yeah. We released our first song with him in 2018. And I remember he had a meeting with us trying to get us to like, because right before that, we did an EP on our own, an acoustic project. And, you know, I look back on it fondly, but to have kept going like that would have been a disaster. So John was like, get back in the studio, put some money into it. And and let's let's do some real tunes. Yeah, I would and, say he was the first person in our circle to make us realize, make us think bigger. You know, oh yeah, it, it be like always have the mindset you're not just competing with like your local bands. You even if you're an up and coming band, you want to think of the biggest artists as your competition, not just the people you know in your local scene. You he helped us think bigger and put more quality into it. You know, so. He, I'd say he's been the biggest factor in the last two years. Yeah, and as as we released those songs, it just proved that he was right. Like, oh, yeah. wow, look where we made it after we released this song. Like, look at the difference as the songs yeah, there's came definitely, out. Yeah, definitely been results. So, um, so yeah, we, so, yeah, John Ferran. <clears throat> so where do you guys um, want to go from here? I mean... The sky is the limit at this point. Um, but at the same time, there's a huge brick wall standing in front of you and every other artist. So what exactly is your plan for the next year? Um, if there is one, if not, you know, how are you guys approaching each and every day? Well, we're... Uh, uh, well, to start off, a big factor will be hanging whether or not shows, live shows come back. But if not, the plan is to just keep attacking with with the great songs, great music videos, and then immediately be prepared to write more and just top, keep topping ourselves. Yeah, every song gets a video, um, and every every song gets its own little era, like a, a month or so of, uh, of us, yeah. yeah, of us like pushing it up, putting it out, and um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We we're sitting on a bunch of songs right now. And we're planning that out. That's that's the next order of business. So um, I've brought this up to a couple different people, and I, I've gotten mixed answers, and I feel both ways about it. So one of the things that I've noticed um, is that some bands are releasing albums, some bands aren't. But at the same time, you know, the question remains, is a full-length album you know pointless these days or is it you know a good idea you know if you're putting out a concept album it's a good idea don't get me wrong but if you're just putting out 12 songs wouldn't it be better to put out one a month over a course of a year and treat them all as singles or what what are you guys thinking about that well we don't we debate this all the time well also we don't want to reveal too much because we haven't made all the announcements yet about what we have coming but i will say it falls more in line with giving each song it's chance to kind of shine, you know, yeah. it's on spotlight. And I, I definitely think, especially with the no live shows, you, you really kind of got to stretch it out and kind of go about it differently. You know, you don't want, you want, you want to drop your, like your whole look at once. And then it's like the, the rest of the year, you don't have anything else to hit your audience. Right. I, I will say I love albums. I, my favorite, oh, yeah, if, I'm if, an album guy. yeah, if my favorite band comes out with new music, I hope it's 12 songs at once oh, yeah. that I can binge in the, you know, and listen oh, yeah. to on, on the highway. But 
for us and for unfortunately the way music is like received by people i think it's best for us to do like what he said and pay attention to kind of one thing at a time kind of and, and really it. try yeah. and make it good one thing at a time because if one yeah. of those things gets half-assed and you focus on it for a month your audience is like like you're, you're that might be the the breaking point you never know and I, so yeah. we just we just our goal man is to just uh yeah and i think at the end of it once you you're done releasing each song drip feeding it kind of one at a time at the end you can kind of have it as like one whole package at when you're at the end of the cycle but i definitely think what he said the best way to go about it is focus one at a time make it as best as it could be 100 percent um again i i agree with i agree with the albums you know if you know one of my favorite bands puts out an album i'm gonna listen to it you know cover to cover but at the same time you know in a month from now am i still gonna be listening to it cover for cover am i gonna be listening you know to my favorite songs um but i might i might not who knows um but at the same time if it's like a concept album you know i can't go and listen to you know coheed um just one song i have to listen to the whole fucking album because otherwise it's like i'm missing part of that story mm-hmm. but at the same time with like coheed i can't read i can't listen to you know an album without picking up a comic book and reading army amory wars or something like that too um so my whole day is a shot if i decide to start listening to coheed um, <laughs> but at the same time it's like you know giving those little samples here and there and you're just rocking out to a song for a month and enjoying that video and just really kind of in, and then in the anticipation of the next one and then in that anticipation of the next one I, I like that as well and in today's day and age you can do that 15 years ago you really couldn't um, unless you're going to put it out on LimeWire or Napster and yeah. then you know but then you ain't making money so it doesn't really matter yeah. so you know it, it's it, it's really hit and miss and it really just depends on your audience and how you do with it I think it's interesting. I've seen even with the biggest artists, if their fan base is so huge, they can still drop a full album at once. But what I've noticed even with the bigger artists, even when they drop a full full length album, they still follow follow it up like relatively quickly compared to how it used to be. So even they're realizing they have to hit their audience and content more frequently i think yeah or even the bigger artists are dropping instead of like one or two singles now sometimes it's like three or four or five oh yeah and then they have like they drop the full length and the full length is only like four or five more songs i mean even look at a one of the biggest pop artists like ariana grande like she's been dropping an album like what is it like once a year or something like that i hate her which is crazy (laughs) me too i think he's he's doing it the right way i think every album being a big event you know so it's like and she keeps hitting them with more so i think that's kind of where it's heading anyway yeah i mean i and i agree with that as well but then look at nothing more it since 2013 they've released two albums and but then they spend a whole shitload of time on the road yeah you know they're just now this week going into the album going to the studio to record their next album the third album that they've done in seven years you know um they're just now you know starting to do it um and the only reason i know that is because i was supposed to interview them next week but then they backed out because they're in the studio um but i will have them on by the end of the month and i'm anxiously awaiting that one but um but anyway um so i mean there's there's 
stuff to be said about the other way too. You know, yeah. you know, really kind of pushing an album for a certain amount of time, and then once they get sick of seeing you three or four times on one tour cycle, you know, yeah. um, you know, then they're like, okay, we're ready for new stuff. Okay, we'll give you the new stuff. It's been two or three years. We'll give you the next one, because you know the the last album for nothing more was two thousand seventeen. Um, okay. with, with go to war and now yeah. they're just now going in there now. So it's like, you know what? So it, it, it goes either way, yeah, uh, but yeah. at the same time you, with people like Ariana Grande, who's got billions of dollars behind her with her label, yeah. not so much on the rock side with those types of bands too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with Ariana too, like being a pop artist, yeah. her stuff probably gets washed up way quicker where like, like, um, the band you're mentioning, or like somebody, you know, a, a, a rock band can probably last a bit longer, but the pop stuff is just in everybody's faces 24-7 for like several weeks. I mean, even, and then, you know, we're already ready for the next thing. Like, I mean, even... Stop playing this yeah, one already. Even my my favorite band, which is Blink-182, they just dropped their most recent album this time last year. And, you know, even a band like them, they're making music way more frequently and putting out songs more frequently, at least compared to how they used to. So I think rock yeah. are doing it too, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Blink's a good example of that, because they, they took a long hiatus too, to oh, let yeah. tr- to let Travis do what he his thing, whatever you know that thing was, and I'm still trying to figure out what he did there. Um, but I mean, but in the, in, in the short period of time, Travis ended up becoming the you know, the, the biggest member of that group. And, yeah, yeah. yeah which was weird. He just get that MGK album. Dude, we're, yeah. we're listening to that album like crazy. I was never a Machine Gun Kelly fan, but yeah, I, I do like that album. You know, over the last two weeks, I have talked to countless musicians, and every time, with the exception of yesterday with Emily, um, everyone's brought up this new MGK, MGK album. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's weird. Um, You know, he's got that, you know, rap, you know, background. Then, you know, he kind of, you know, got into a huge Twitter beef with, you know, Eminem and got his ass handed to him. (laughs) And then the next thing you know, he's coming out with his pop punk album. Derek, Derek, tell me, tell me if you think, because I'm pretty much 100% decided. I thought about it for a long time. I'm pretty sure that was a completely orchestrated industry beef. And like, because I know like Eminem uh, dissed him, and and he got uh, MGK got slaughtered. MGK dropped his EP after that, Hotel yeah. or with the rap EP, it flopped. And then I'm pretty sure Interscope was like, "Don't worry, here's Travis, here's some songwriters, and we're gonna have you go number one, like do some rocks." I'm pretty sure that's yeah, I mean, what happened. See, I'm actually on the. I honestly think it was a little bit more to it than that. I yeah. think he did it on completely on purpose from A to Z. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt that either. I think he actually went as far to say to plan this whole thing out and say, you know what, I'm either gonna go big and completely crush this guy, and if I don't it's going to give me an opportunity to go even bigger and change, you know, change over. Because he's he was a rock guy too. He's he, you know, he's like Post Malone. He has a rock background, went rap, and kind of now he's kind of going back toward that. So he was either thinking one of two things, in my opinion. He was either like, you know, controversy creates cash, and either way, I'm going to get destroyed, 
and then jump over to do the, you know something else, or I'm gonna I'm gonna to win. And I'm gonna become even more famous on the rap career. Yeah. I, I think it was I think it was well orchestrated by him from the beginning. Gotcha. I mean, I think I think he's better at pop punk now than he was at rap. So. Yeah, I, I've listened to I haven't listened to the whole album. Um, I've listened to a couple tracks on it, and it's pretty good stuff. I mean, it's not my cup of tea at all. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 pretty badass. I mean, as a as huge pop punk fans as we are, I think it definitely took us by surprise how good it actually came out. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Considering it was his first time, you know. Yeah, dude, I I, I love pop punk. I grew up on it, but there's there's always been so many pop punk bands that I'm sick of. Oh yeah, and you I'm can just, get burned out pretty like, quickly. I'm on just like, dude, punk. that sound is. I don't. I, yeah. I mean, some people think like, oh, but you sound like that's it. But like, there's some stuff that I just I'm tired of seeing. You know what I mean? I th- yeah. With pop punk, there's a very fine line I think of having a sound where it just sounds really tired and stale. And you know, being a little more creative with it, there's definitely there's definitely room for more creativity in pop punk. I'll, I will say that. And I think the MGK album is a good indicator of that, and that's probably why it went number one. Yeah, um, and, and that's the other thing too. Like, and that's one of the reasons why what, exactly what you just said um, is why I'm not the biggest you know pop punk fan. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of pop punk bands that I do like. But I'm not the I'm not like you know in the the in the scene as much as you know others are. Yeah. It's because of that you know it does fall into some of the traps that pop music fall into, where it's overproduced, you know, it's yeah. shoved down our throats. Um, you know, like go back to the early 2000s with you know Good Charlotte and NFG and stuff like that. You know, NFG survived. You know, My Chem survived, but like Good Charlotte, which was the biggest at the time is nowhere to be found yeah dude. i mean i i personally love the i personally love the late 90s early 2000s pop punk the most but i will say the most guilty area guilty era of pop punk where it was really getting out of hand the amount of bands popping up that all sounded the same i think was when we were in high school the the kind of early oh, 20 dude. the early 2010 era it was there so were, bad there were so many bands coming up where it was the more like shouty shouty pop one singer thing i swear to god they all sounded the same the all-time low yeah and, and that's coming from a, a huge pop punk band which i am even i was getting burned out so it's like you know it definitely needs a big push yeah because there was during that time there was a lot of you know where they had that pop punk sound, but then like you know I'm gonna scream and do some screamo with the pop punk sound. It's like yeah. that doesn't even make any sense at all. <laughs> at least you know turn up your you know distortion a little bit. You know <laughs> kind of have some a little bit more fun with it. But it was it's yeah a lot of that stuff was weird back in the early the early 2010s. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all of our friends in high school would be listening to the the new modern pop punk bang saying me and Chris here would be repping the Blink 182s and Good Charlotte. So it's like. But that, but the thing is, like now, yeah. we we already like yeah I guess we're a pop punk band, but now we try to listen to a ton of different stuff. You know, like uh, our producers telling us like listen to jazz, like listen yeah. to bl- like everything you can because you know you don't have to become a jazz band, but you might hear a song where you want to capture that vibe on yeah. your song, and then you're not coming up with the same washed up sound that other bands are coming out with. So 
we're, we're trying, man. That's one of our uh, uh, our goals for like our music that's yeah. to come out and our music that we're writing now. I mean, I've always been a big believer as far you know, as far as being a quote unquote pop punk bag. I I feel like there's way more that you can do in that genre thing than people think or what bands currently do. And I feel like I want us to be that band that like kind of reinvents the wheel a little bit, like try new things with with you know the pop punk influences that we grew up on. I think I think there's way more that you can do with the genre thing than people think or that the modern bands do. So that's what I've always believed. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. There's a little bit more flexibility with that genre. I mean, there's a lot more flexibility with the the rock genre in general. Exactly. Um, you know, and you can kind of branch out and try different things. And then, but if you if you branch over too much, then you get a little flack from your your fans, which again goes back to the original conversation. But at the same time, it's like experiment, get get different. Yeah. You know, if if you want to have a whole pop punk album, um, and then throw in one song of just sheer aggression, screamo, fucking just to throw off your fans for a second and be like, oh, what the hell? You know, do it. I mean, have some fun with it. But at the same time, if you want to throw, like, an Ed Sheeran-style song in there, too, fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's ways to do that and still be true to your fans. Like, I know, like, um, the, the latest Slipknot album, the oh, song yeah. Spiders, is so weird. It's not... Oh, my God, it. yes. Wait, wait, I really like but wait, I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs on that album, and I prefer Slipknot's heavier sound. So I, I really like when a band does do a different thing, like you said, yeah. but just nailed it anyway. Yeah, the uh, Spiders was a weird one. I love it, though. I man. love that song. I like it. It's so I mean, scary. I mean, our, our producer, Don, has even told us, he's giving us the advice of... Make the songs that we want to write. Don't don't be so hung up on what we think our fans want. You know, you gotta at the end of the day, as an artist, you gotta write for you and yourself. You gotta write the songs you want to write, or else that's how that's how your sound does get stale. And you know, and you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, a lot of uh, fans, you know, give flack to artists for evolving or evolving too much, when in reality, the fans just aren't evolving, Yeah. you know, now, I mean, no, there's a lot of exceptions to that, you know, with the, like, with uh, Metallica and Load and Reload, um, that was definitely a case of way too much evolution, please take it back, back a step, but yeah. at the same time, you know, like, Avenged Seven you know they've evolved over the years you know um they started off as like a more of a, a scream core a metal core and then they kind of went into a heavy metal sound with you know hail to the king and then went back to almost their original roots with their latest album you know the stage so it's like you know it, it, it's you're allowed to do that it's but at the same time the fans have just got to realize hey you know they're changing so should i yeah i mean i personally get really excited when one of my favorite bands comes out and says that the next album is going to be something we've never done before i personally get more excited yeah when one of my favorite bands is outright saying they're gonna be more experimental you know whether whether you end up liking it or not i would rather my favorite bands try and do new stuff than just give me the same songs over and over again 100 mm -hmm. agree um, you know, it, again, it, it's again that evolution aspect of things because music has got to change. You know, you know, it, it's it's great to hear, you know, a band never waver 
you know, in certain aspects of things like Slayer, you know, they did the same thing for 35 years before they, yeah. you know, finally broke up. Yep. But at the same time, it's the same stuff for 35 years. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Slayer. And, you know, they're one of the greatest thrash bands of all time. But at the same time, they did the exact same thing for 35 yeah, it's, years. It's there's, there's definitely a few exceptions with, with bands. Where no effects. No effects. Yeah. There's definitely some exceptions where bands stayed successful without really evolving but you know what bro like derek like i don't know how it is for you writing but for me sometimes once i write something it's out of my system i probably won't ever write something like that again you know what i mean like like some like if you write a certain vibe and you get it out i can see you don't have to keep repeating it that's that's just me though i don't know about you well also i feel like i feel like whatever i bring to the table when we're writing as a band once every member of the band gets their hands on it and ends up coming out different than what I expected anyway. So for me personally, at least. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in my music days, um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I was touring and, you know, writing music and stuff like that, it was, for me, it was, okay, how do we get harder? Okay, this song isn't hard enough. We just could, let's go harder. I, I know you can. I know you can kick that double that double kick a little bit faster. I know you can hit that snare a little bit harder. Come on, hit that. You know, hit that. Don't hit the hi hat. Hit the fucking crash. Let's fucking do this. Um, you know, let's let's speed up that tempo a little bit. I mean, I can drop my voice down a little bit further. I can get a, a more of a guttural growl. Let's do this. And, and you know. I was constantly just looking for that harder, harder, harder sound. Um, that was me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was like, okay, um, my voice hurts. Let's, let's let's change it up a bit and let's let me just sing for a few minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I get I get that. Um, once you get it out of your system, you know, let's try something new. Always, always, it's got to be because otherwise your fans are gonna get bored. I mean, also as a songwriter, I would get bored personally if I was right purposely writing the same songs over and over again yeah not just that but you got to go and perform it too like yeah i feel like even actors yeah you got to resonate with the part you're acting in to some degree if you don't like if you're really over some sound that you used to have yeah Yeah. it'll show yeah yeah i mean look at um another band like hell yeah yeah so um that one had roots obviously in um Sepultura with, um, you know, Ray Mayorga. It's also got roots with, uh, obviously, Mudvayne and Pantera. But at the same time, it's like, you know, every album, every song is completely different than the next. You got some stuff that sounds like old, you know, Pantera, and they got some stuff, some stuff that sounds like old, you know, Mudvayne. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it's you know, it's got a little bit of twang, a little bit of country into it. It's a little bit of a little of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, you know, let's go ahead and not scream at all in this song. Let's scream nothing but song. And that's okay because that's what you know fans have come to expect. But at the same time, if your fans aren't expecting it, that's also the best time to do that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say just the consensus is no matter what genre you're in, the, the best artists are usually the ones that evolve and switch it up those are the bands that usually stand the test of time i would say yeah i don't know if they're the best artists but they stand that they if they do it right if they do it right because then like i i really like death leopard but i and i wasn't around like i probably was i don't know if i was probably just being born at the time but when nirvana came out and grunge became big death leopard tried to do a grunge album and they just and after that death leopard became like just like the 80s hair metal thing and that's it and they weren't like the in thing anymore 
So, like, you can mess up big time trying to be something you're not. Well, I mean, Pantera, let's talk about them for a second. Because, I mean, they they came out in the 80s during hair metal. And their first album was fucking hair metal. And then then next thing you know, you know, they completely changed their sound. Um, But, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, there there was a bunch of bands that started off as hair metal and then went into this whole alternate reality of things and brought along you know brought along their fans and kind of introduced them to it but grunge (sighs) i have a love-hate relationship with grunge because it ruined music for a while but at the same time it it spawned some of the greatest things ever like i'm gonna i've never said this on the show and i probably will never say it again and if you ever play this recording back to me i'll probably never admit to it but (laughs) I cannot stand Nirvana. Wow. Dude. I was right, never a Nirvana fan. Right, I, um, I, I just... <sighs> Kurt Cobain was too whiny. Okay. That's fair. Um, musically, pop notch. Yeah. Lyrically, I, I, I just couldn't... I, couldn't do it now i mean even some of the older Soundgarden stuff i really didn't dig either i just was never really a grunge person however fast forward to after his passing you know uh you know and and uh you know dave grohl saying you know what i'm gonna do the foo fighters and now the foo fighters are now the probably the biggest band in the entire world right now you know if not in the top five yeah. i mean I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. Definitely, definitely, as far as rock bands go, definitely, they're probably... No, I, I would say that they're in the top five of everybody right now. Yeah, Foo Fighters is something different, man. It's yeah. something else. Like, I've, I've never been... Like, I like Nirvana. I've never been, like, you know, the biggest Nirvana fan, but I, I've <laughs> always enjoyed their music. Like, obviously, it got... It gets jumped down your throat, Nirvana, you know. Cause oh, dude, it's terrible I, what I, they so, did to Nirvana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kmart and, uh, and Kohl's and everyone wearing Nirvana shirts, they have no I mean, I, I, could definitely, I could definitely see people being turned off by Nirvana just from the fact that it jumped down your throat everywhere you go. You know? Dude, it's so weird because I read a weird thing the other day that was like, after you're dead, people will remember you. But they're not really going to remember you. They're just going to remember, like, this interpretation of you. And I wonder if Kurt Cobain would be, like, super pissed or, like, I would tell you, he he would be, Kurt Cobain would be super pissed seeing himself on shirts being sold at frigging H&M and stuff like that. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Because that was exactly what he didn't want. Yeah, I so. know. I know there was an interview with him flipping out because somebody—I forget who it was—some some pop uh, Madonna or somebody. Her yeah. tickets were like eighty or seventy bucks, and he was like seventy bucks. I forget the number. It may have been higher. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you, wait, what? If you only knew, man. If you only knew how it was now. I mean, didn't? I mean, I think Kurt Cobain himself didn't he hate the fact that his band was so big and popular at the time. Like, <laughs> Probably. Yeah, so. He absolutely did hate it. He yeah. hated it. And, I, and think he, I think he hated Smells Like Teen Spirit probably more than anybody. Yeah, because that thing was on uh, TRL for weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and he was, like, probably hating his life at that point. Yeah. yeah it may have to do with what he, why he did what yeah. he did, man. Yeah. 
and I, I do attribute a lot that a lot to it because I mean, fame killed him just like fame killed Janis Joplin and fame killed you know um, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Um, it's it's you know unfortunately it does that, um, but at the same time. Again, and this is going to sound horrible, and I don't mean it to sound the way I'm going to say it, but their deaths made something great. Oh, you're right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're still talking about Jimi Hendrix today because the stuff that he was writing in the '60s and playing in the '60s still applies to today. The 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 political stuff that he was talking about, the the anti-war stuff that he was talking about, the you know segregation and the way blacks were treated back then still applies today. His music still applies today. You know, Kurt Cobain. Without Kurt Cobain passing away, the Foo Fighters would have never gotten to an existence, and I don't think Nirvana would have ever been as big as right. the Foo Fighters have been. Um, you know, so I mean, it, while it it was tragic, it spawned even bigger things. Yeah, you're not wrong, man. Same with Tupac. Um, though a weird one for me, I'm a big Linkin Park fan, but a weird one is Chester Bennington because, like, he wasn't... He was 40. The band was already one of the biggest bands in the world, and he died. And I guess, like, kind of the same thing you're saying happened. Like, the music became a lot more relevant to, to a lot of people and got, like, a huge second wind, even though they were already such a big band, but... I'm, I'm just like, damn, dude, you were 40, man. I, I, well, I never understand that, that stuff. So, like, Chester you, Bennington um, and his suicide was a failure of society. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, huge. Um, because the thing about it is, go back and listen to every single one of his songs. Yeah. They were all a cry for help. And yeah. everyone thought he was just writing songs to write songs. Or, yeah, maybe there was a hint of truth to it or whatever the case might be. But nobody took it seriously. Yeah. And now it's like, and now he's gone. Um, and, you know, people are just now realizing, holy shit, you know, in the end, it doesn't really matter. You know, he told us 10 years ago that he was going to do this. It just took, you know, his best friend Chris Cornell doing it first for him to finally set him over the edge. But... Again, nobody noticed it. Dude, yeah, it's it's. I, you're right. I hear what you're saying, but I also think it's tough to say because then, like, so many artists do write more emo, dep depressing yeah. lyrics. So, like, when you hear the new MGK album, which I'm a big fan of that album, I'm like, bro, you're singing about doing so many drugs that are your friends like, are you all right? Like, <laughs> like, like uh, enough rappers have OD'd at this point. That I'm like, dude, why are you really singing about this? So, like, so I think much. it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to tell what's a cry for help and what's just an artist putting on an act or something. But I will say, Linkin Park was some of the yeah. deepest, saddest lyrics. It really was, man. Yeah, and you know, because that's one of the things I, I enjoy talking about on this show too. Aside from you know, entertainment, music, and 
acting and all that other stuff um, is mental health because you know I suffer from bipolar disorder. I've had two suicide attempts, and you know it's one of those things where you know I, I don't like seeing that stuff happen. I mean, obviously nobody likes seeing that happen, but I take it a step further because I, I talk a lot about it on the show. I do a lot of advocacy. You know, I even have on my my merch site you know mental health T-shirts that I donate twenty five percent of the proceeds to charity for. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. You know, I'm a big proponent of mental health, and you know. You know, he you know he talked about it for years, but it went unnoticed um, because again, so many people talk about it. It's the boy who cried wolf, you know. But now that he's done it, you know, and Chris Cornell and so on and so, and so many others, you know, then we've like again, falling in reverse, who came out with Popular Monster last year. You know, one of the biggest songs of you know this year because it came out in December. But I mean it. It, it, nothing but mental health related in that, you know. Um, the band Bad Flower, you guys, you know them. No, they had that. I'm actually, I actually have heard of them. Yeah. So they had a, a song about two years ago called Ghost, which was again an anti-suicide song. Then you know, again, nothing more had their song um, about his sister Jenny, or uh, Jenna, but it was song called called song called Jenny, and you know all these different you know bands that have now done it. But again, it, you know, talked about it. But again, we've it's it's too little, too late, and we we need to continue to push that kind of stuff because again, we're losing too many people. Period. Well, well Derek, first of all, man, I want to say I'm glad you're here. You know, after what you shared with us. Me too. So, so and then and then also, I like on that note, I think it's cool that like now, especially in the rock world, at least I'm seeing they're sharing now the thing like it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And like hope, hope for the day and all that. So I'm I'm glad that we're starting to say like, "Yo, you good?" to each other, okay. and like bands are that's are starting to say that to their followers too. Like, make sure you're good. Like, so hopefully, man, that that one day we can we can like it like move, you know, like like fix that that sort of thing. I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal. I mean, I can tell you right now, what's going on on TV right now is not helping. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, however, I, I got to give credit credit to the Canadians. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's countless memes on the internet right now, and there's countless people um, retweeting and putting up this exact same thing, talking about how you know if you need an emotional support Canadian, we're here for you. <laughs> um, if, if if you do not have one, one will be assigned to you. Just reach out. Um, yeah, it, it's it's hilarious. Um, but you know, this whole year has just been a, did you ever see the movie Requiem for a Dream? Uh, no, but, um, hold on. There's a, why does that sound like familiar? Is there a song like, uh, there's a song about, I don't know. No, I never saw it. Okay. Hold on. Let me try to think of another one. <laughs> um, just, it's like, <laughs> we're, it's just a constant living in a nightmare type movie. Um, you know, where you think you're going to wake up and it's just, it's like maybe like the matrix meets, um, inception type situation, <laughs> you know, um, but it's just nothing's, you know, happening and it's, it, it's just, um, it, it's killing me mentally. Uh, if it wasn't for this show, I, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd probably be in a rubber room right now. Um, because, you know, I'm also a stand-up comedian as well, and I can't perform either. Um, yeah. Well, dude, so, I, I, like, isn't it, isn't it crazy? Like, I'm sure you realize then how important it is for people to actually, like, find a passion. Because so many people don't end up really 
finding a passion for something. You are dead on. Um, you know, and that's why I think this year, as far as like being a creator, doesn't matter if you know you're a YouTube star, a TikToker, or a podcaster, a musician, an actor, or actress, whatever you know, whatever. You know, as far as being a creator goes, this was a great year for us because it's yeah. really allowed us to you know reinvent ourselves or really hone in on who we are creatively. Um, but the people that don't have that creative outlet have just been sitting idly by, you know, either trolling the internet or just completely, you know, not knowing their ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah, yeah. dude. Like I, fe I feel for those people, though, that, that whole three-month quarantine, like, it really took a toll on some people's mental health. Yeah, you dude. Know? Yeah. For me, I just got to talk to a lot of cool people. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, and I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. You guys are one of the lucky ones. You know, a, a lot of artists are, have been the lucky ones and, you know, the, the everyday average Joe, you know, has suffered, but at the same time, I'm hoping that they've discovered woodworking or, you know, maybe they picked up a guitar for the first time in their life, or, you know, maybe they've decided to spend more time with their kids and because there used to be a workaholic you know something along those lines i'm hoping that there was more than just oh woe is me right right it, it sucks i can speak for myself even with our creative outlet during that quarantine just the 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 you know non-existent you know human interaction it's like it does it just does affect you in some way even with the creative outlet you know, it was just a really, really weird time period during that quarantine. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon, and it's, you know, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better again. Um, but then at the same time, you know, you know, we can't go listen to comedy. Yeah. I mean, we can watch it on Netflix, or we can, you know, Google something on YouTube or whatever. Right, um, it's not the same, though. Nothing's the same. the same. doesn't matter if it's, you know, it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a play. You know, doesn't matter if it's you know a concert. Doesn't matter if it's comedy. Doesn't or, or even a movie. You know, yeah. being stuck inside your house and doing everything entertainment-wise from your couch when you used to just you know use it as a place to you know eat dinner, fall asleep, and watch Family Guy. And now you're everything you're doing is is there right now. Yeah. So, dude, who are your top three comedians? My top three comedians of all time. Yeah. Um, George Carlin, Mitch Head, Mitch Hedberg, and he's actually a newer comedian, but Anthony Jeselnik. Okay, cool, cool, dude. I've been watching like, like during the quarantine, man. I watched Steve Harvey like so much, dude. And I never really cared for him that much before this, but dude, he's so funny. He has me dying sometimes. Dude. Yeah, he's 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 another good one. Um, but yeah, I just love um. You know, obviously, you know, George Carlin. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I love that borderline, straight-up offensive comedy. I love that dark, dark, you know, should I be laughing right now or should I be, you know, calling the cops yeah, type situation. Um, you know, I love that. You know, Anthony Jeselnik's the same way. I mean, that guy, if you've never heard of him, look him up on Netflix. Well, He's, oh, my God. Definitely got look him up. Yeah. Word. Um. Yeah. He he tells. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and give you um one of his jokes just to kind of give you an idea sure. of who this guy is. 
Um, and I'm going to butcher the joke, but it's going to give you an idea of who this guy is and of why I like him. Um, I just found out my my ex-girlfriend's being beaten by her boyfriend, um, and they moved in together, and it just it pisses me off. I, I just can't stand that shit. It just really makes me want to go over there with a baseball bat. And blame it on her boyfriend. Terrible, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's 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 you know that's the type of, that's the style of comedy I enjoy. Exactly. That whole left turn type of comedy, and it even has stupid jokes like, you know, I used to have this girlfriend who had a uh, a parrot, and boy, let me tell you, that thing would never shut the fuck up. But the bird, yeah, the- but the bird was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah, and but that's just how he is, and it's just it's fucking fantastic. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, the darker, the better. A lot of people that can't take those jokes, you know. Once you get past it, like you accept, like all right, this is some really over the top humor. Yeah. Then, then it's funny, like what you yeah. get, past, you know, in the right context. I think people gotta like, like. Like, lay, lay back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he's the type of comedian that even makes fun of the fact of back in early 90s when uh, Eric Clapton's son fell out of a 20-story window and passed away. Oof. Did you ever hear about that story? No. So, yeah, Eric Clapton had a son. They were living on a high-rise tower in New York City. And I guess the window was open, and he walked up to the window, and he fell through it and fell out and died. Um, so... The uh, so Anthony Jeselnik does a joke about that and says, you know, I had a son once, but he died the same way Eric Clapton's son died for inspiration. <laughs> because after that, he wrote the song "Tears in Heaven," uh, which is his most you know famous song ever. Um, so he wrote, he, yeah, he says, for inspiration was the way, reason why his son died, and it's just it, you know that's the way he, that's the joke that he tells, and it's just hilarious um, because it's so fucked up. So that's that's what I like. I, I like dark, dark, dark humor. The yeah. stuff, like I said, the, the, where you don't know whether or not to laugh, or you know, file a lawsuit for discrimination or some shit. You know, it's it's right. it, it, there's no in between. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think there, I think there's a fine line between legitimately calling someone out who's just being offensive or being a dick and appreciating what's clearly just a ridiculous joke. You know, yeah, it I depends mean, on the context. Yeah. Like, if you're going to see stand-up yeah. and you get offended, then maybe yeah. you shouldn't have went out to that to see that comedian. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, there was even a story from last year or two years ago about Steve Harvey. Um, he was doing some type of racially sensitive joke. I don't know if it was about Mexicans or Hispanic people in general or something along those lines, but it was something about how um, if you're... If you're black and you have a, if you have an older black grandma, never bring home a Mexican or never bring home a black, a Spanish person. Something along, I can't remember exactly what it is. It was something like that. Maybe I'm completely wrong too. You can tweet me, whatever. Um, but there was a lady in the in the crowd mm-hmm. that got. No, I'm sorry. It was George Lopez. Oh, okay. It was the opposite. It was George Lopez. It was the opposite. He was telling that joke. If you have an old Mexican grandmother, never bring home a black woman. That's what it was. Okay, so it was it was complete opposite. Um, but either way, this black lady jumped up out of the crowd and just went batshit crazy on him. Ended up getting kicked out. Um, but it was just like it was a fucking joke. I mean, it whether but at the same time that. 
is mostly, I mean, as far as I know, that's pretty true in Mexican culture, but at the same time, it, it's it's old Mexican culture. We can't joke about something that, we can't joke about the old days and just be fun of it because it's stupid. Right. You know, it, it, I'm sure he was making that joke because of the irony of the situation. But it, it's it, it's just hilarious. I mean, people just take shit so fucking seriously. And, and especially nowadays with this can, this cancel culture, you know, people are going to possibly listen to this episode and then go back and be pissed off at me just for repeating the joke. You know, it's like... All three of us are probably canceled already. No, <laughs> oh, I, I should have been canceled a long time ago. <laughs> I'm surprised I still have a show. I still have sponsors, and um, especially the sponsors I have. You know, I, I I'm sponsored by the app BetterHelp, the mental health app. Uh, I'm surprised I still they still keep me around. They just signed me on for another year. <laughs> like, do you guys even listen to the show? <laughs> I think what people, what gets lost on people is jokes like that George Lopez joke is, is like George Lopez is basically making fun of just how ridiculous that old culture is. But he exactly. Himself too. Exactly. Like he's not making fun of people to really hurt him. It's almost like people are thinking he's advocating or promoting that go. You're, the point of that joke is just making you realize how ridiculous it is. Exactly, and, and and but people are so one track minded, thinking, yeah. oh, oh, he said it, it must be true, yeah. or he must feel that way, and it's like, yeah. guys, come the fuck yeah, down. Yeah, misconception, I think, with people getting offended by jokes. You know, the way I look at it is this: you know, I've you know I've been hated for my jokes, <laughs> um, but you know, if I ever get so much hate that I get a death threat or somebody kills me for you know for one of my jokes or you know that right there i just become comedy legend um you know you know it's whatever so you know they can hate me all they want however you know the where i draw the line at is you know um my wife has gotten flack for some of the things i've said before um how so if you know if anyone ever hurts a member of my family because of something i've said you know even better Me there, I was like, Yeah, I'm getting serious. <laughs> no, nope, <laughs> it's just that's the truth. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Again, comedy legend, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, you guys are fucking badass, and you know, I hope. You guys come out of this on top. I really, truly do. I mean, you, too, um, you. you know, I've, again, like I said before, I'm not the biggest pop punk fan, but I love, I dig your guys' music. And, you. you know, it it resonates with me on another level. Um, it's unlike other pop punk bands. You know, it's not that same, you know, constant, you know, same bullshit that, you know, like you were talking about before. Yeah. Um, it, it's a completely different, it's, it's newer it's got a good vibe to it. Um, you know, it's one of those songs, one of those bands. You guys are just one of those bands that, uh, you know, a 40-year-old mom taking their kids to soccer practice could listen to or a 15-year-old kid who has problems at home. You know, it, it, it's one of those things. It, it's universal, and I just dig what you guys do, and I really, truly appreciate you guys. Thank, Thank you, you so Kevin, much, man. Yeah. We appreciate the kind words, man. Yeah, that's definitely the goal with how we approach our music. So I'm glad you feel that way. 
Yeah, I mean, because I, I picked that up right away. And, and again, for someone like me who is trying to break that stigma of guys, if you like rock, fucking like rock, like all rock, um, I'd be a complete asshole to say, man, I, I hate pop punk, but thanks very much for being here, guys. <laughs> No, because because I I, I I you know I listen to you know whatever I get in the in my email as far as like you know secret links and you know exclusive downloads and blah 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 I listen to it all because I want to make sure that I, I give my true honest opinion because um, I would never bring somebody on this show that I didn't believe in and you know you know and I take a lot of pride in that I I've you know I just broke you know. I'm getting ready to break a million downloads for September, and I don't ever want to, you know, break that credibility because I, again, I want to make sure that everyone's on this show. I believe in, and I believe in you guys. So thank you. Thank you, boss. Appreciate that. Congrats on uh, on, on the September downloads, man. Yeah, it's a crazy number. It's it's been so stressful. <laughs> yeah, not on the line. Yeah, but you know, I again, I appreciate you guys, and I would love to have you guys back again because you guys are just badass. Oh, definitely, man. We'd love to. Absolutely, man. Well, you guys take care. Good luck with the single, um, and whatever you guys do next, I'll be watching out for it. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks, no man. problem, guys. You have a good one now. All right, be well. Peace, man. All right, guys. So that was our Thursday. I hope you had a good one. Those guys are just fucking badass, and I appreciate them talking about everything from comedy to music, man. That's what I love about this show. So, guys, take it easy and um, stay off the news. We're not going to know what the hell's going on for a couple more days. Just relax. Enjoy yourself a fucking good podcast. Enjoy yourself a good music album or whatever the case might be, but definitely listen to Boy Blue. That shit is badass. But until tomorrow with the band Lonely Youth, Guys, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, stay fucking heavy. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.